Welcome to Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. Hello, hello. How are you, Dr. Grocer? How are you? I'm good today. Thank you. How are you? Doing fantastic. I cannot complain. So welcome to Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders. Today, we are talking about something that has been highly requested. We're talking about well-being, mindfulness, and stress relief. I mean, y'all going to want to tune in for this because we got an expert bona fide. So we're going to hop right into it, Doc. And the first question I ask every guest is, who are you? Who is Dr. Kimberly Lauren Brown's realtor? I am a Black woman who appreciates relationships and life's little pleasures. I love it. Yeah. So what are some of those little pleasures? Reading good books, spending time with people who are uplifting and really pour into me and who allow me to pour into them, traveling, whether it's like across overseas or even just like taking a trip to like a national park in my county where I live in New York, spending the day in New York City, shopping, like so many little things. So what you're saying is you practice what you're about to preach. Yes, I strive to. And I just like to stress to everybody right away, right? This is a practice. So we're always practicing. So even for me, there is a moment of like, oh, I got to get back to this. I got to get back to my practice. And that's a part of it. So tell us a little bit about your journey into becoming a psychotherapist and an executive coach as well. What inspired you to choose that path? So with therapy, I noticed from an early age that I had a lot of questions I used to ask. I was that child asking questions all the time, like, well, why did you do this? And, you know, and uh, it's funny because all of my family thought I was going to be an attorney because they were like, you just ask some reasoning and things like that. And so I just really had an interest in like why people made the decisions they made, their stories. I was that kid in the room. I was pretty quiet, but I used to sit there and listen when the adults were talking and I would just be like, hmm. So when my school, I went to a uh, small Catholic school in Montgomery County, Maryland, and my school hired a guidance counselor when I was, I think about sixth or seventh grade. And so I used to go to her office really just to get away, I think, from my classmates. (laughs) And so I don't even remember what I was really talking about. But I was just like, wow, I would love to have a space where people come to me and they would just feel like they can be at ease. They can say whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. In hindsight, I realized now as an adult that I was an introvert. I am an introvert. And I probably needed a space that wasn't as stimulating where I could just like calm down, where it just wasn't around other people all day long. But even with that, being able to offer that to other people where for this hour, you are the focus, right? And you can say, and you can share whatever it is you want to share and know that it's safe with me. So I started looking into careers in psychology and things like that. And then I high school, college, I knew I wanted to be a therapist. And so when I was graduating from Towson University in Baltimore, I thought I was going to try to get my PhD in psychology. And one of my professors was a social worker, and she told me about social work and how that could be an option. So I ended up going to Howard for my master's in social work. And then that's all she wrote, like (laughs) working, 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 working until I am where I am today. Lots of working. 
That speaks to the journey of success, though. It's like you go up, down, around, and through, and then somehow you end up somewhere, right? You just end up at a point. And you're like, okay, I can rock with this. I can deal with that. So that's thank you for sharing that journey. I got a question for you because as a coach, I know that you know listening to someone for hours a day, like taking everything that they're talking to you about, can get heavy. So how do you de-stress after your day is over? Good question. So definitely spend time with my dog. I need time to decompress. So I set boundaries around my time in the evenings, unless it's something that I've prepared for in advance. My friends and family know that like, you know, I'm not really available to talk on the phone or or get into things. I read, I do yoga, I walk, I maybe if I am meeting up with somebody, it's usually in person and we're, you know, it's somebody again, I'm very conscious about having people in my life who are uplifting and who, you know, again, being with them is like a treat. It's refreshing. So I might go out and spend time with those kind of people. Whatever I'm doing, I'm very conscious of how is this filling me back up? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the key. Asking that question, checking in to make sure something that you want to do that's fulfilling to you, not just doing it for the sake of someone else asking. So that's good. So we are going to get into the topic, the meat and potatoes of why we have you on the show. It's mindfulness-based stress reduction and how it can benefit high achievers. First, can you explain what that is? Absolutely. So mindfulness-based stress reduction is an eight-week program that was developed by Dr. John Kabat-Zinn back in the 70s at the University of Massachusetts Medical Center. And basically, he was working with people who had like chronic pain, chronic illnesses, and really developed this program to figure out how to teach people how to use mindfulness in their daily lives, how to develop a practice and how to use it in their daily lives. So again, it's an eight-week program. It's a structured curriculum and protocol. Participants sign up. They have to attend an orientation to make sure that this is what they want to do. And then the commitment is, depending upon where you're doing the program, could be anywhere from two to two and a half hours a week. You meet in a group. The facilitator, like myself, would be introducing you to different topics and leading you through different practices and mindfulness and also helping talk about how to apply it to your daily life. There is strongly encouraged that participants practice daily between the group meetings. So the ask is 45 minutes a day, meditating for 45 minutes a day, specific practices. And I want to be clear, like not everybody is able to do that or meet that, but it's a goal. And you see part of mindfulness is discovering what the journey is, right? So you may not always get there, but can you recognize what's getting in your way, what the mindset is around it, so forth. As, is there a Cliff Notes version to the meditation, like for people who don't have that 45 minutes? There can be. What is it? YouTube has tons of, you know, mindfulness practices that you can do in five to 10 minutes. So yes, there's always Cliff Notes. And then part of the eight weeks towards the end, there is a day long retreat that participants come together and basically practice the practices again. And that is essentially it. I want to point out, though, that mindfulness-based restriction is amazing. It's wonderful. It's a very specific program. It's a very specific group. And there are other ways that you can practice mindfulness or learn how to do mindfulness or practice mindfulness in a group that don't involve being in the mindfulness-based stress reduction program. That's one way to do it. 
Okay, that's good to point out because I was going to say, like, I know a lot of folks said, you know, heard in the room that meaning you have to go there. So, what are some different modalities that people can take to incorporate some of what the mindfulness based stress reduction program incorporates, but to do it maybe in their space, especially if they're busy, fast paced executives and, and the like? Yeah, so definitely. So that is one option, right? MBSR is held online and virtually, so you can find different programs online. But mindfulness, you can work with a therapist that practices mindfulness if you want to be taught it. You can work with a wellness coach who does mindfulness. Again, you can go to YouTube right? And put in mindfulness meditation, guided meditations, right? Different community centers are offering it now. So you might be able to find a group at your local library or at a local health center. For a lot of executives who are working in corporations, checking with your human resources department and seeing if they have resources or if they bring somebody in that does mindfulness. You know, I've worked with a few organizations where they bring me in once a month and I lead like a 30 minute meditation for their employees and people can come, you know, if they're available, if they'd like. Okay. That's pretty dope. Now I got a question about meditation because a lot of people have a misconception on what meditation is. So you can explain a little bit about what a successful meditation session would be like. Oh, okay. I love this question. So first of all, we're going to take the word successful out of it because we have these ideas, especially I think as high achievers, right? Like we're always striving. And so this type of meditation, mindfulness meditation, asks you to suspend that, asks you to suspend this idea of striving, right? And so, again, we're talking about mindfulness meditation, which is there are other types of meditation that ask you to focus on mantras, emptying your mind, like all those different things. But specifically thinking about mindfulness, it's really about being here and now, being aware of this present moment. So can you feel your feet on the floor? Do you notice the feedback when I'm talking to you, right? Do you notice what your shoulders feel like in this moment as we're talking? You just practice mindfulness. Let me tell you, I went into the therapy mode when you was doing that. I'm like, man, oh, oh, let me get yeah. into the zone. You know, I was like, hey, I'm a little tense. Let me. <laughs> so I was definitely there with you. I'm in a session. All right. That's the beauty of uh, being on a podcast. You get all the stuff that's going on right when you record it. And that was probably like less than 10 seconds, right? Of me just bringing awareness to these different aspects of your experience in this moment. So when we're talking about mindfulness, we're talking about this moment-to-moment awareness and being aware. And that can be done in a lot of different ways. Meditation is what we think of as the formal practice when we talk about mindfulness, right? And so again, the meditation, you can do it standing, you can do it lying down, you can do it seated. And it's really about being aware of what's happening right now. So sometimes you might have what we call an anchor. That can be your breath. That can be looking at a particular color around you, trying to focus on maybe like everything that's green in your environment. It can be thinking about or paying attention to the sounds around you. It can be tuning into different body sensations that you're experiencing in the moment. So those are all ways to kind of practice like meditation, you can do it with your eyes open. You can do it with your eyes closed. Awesome. This is good because this is the type of things we need to hear because people hear about these things like meditation and it kind of gets a bad rap that it takes forever and you can't do it your own way. And like there's, there's a structure 
to it. So hearing you say this, you can do it standing, you can do it seated, you can do it here, you can do it there, you know, not to get all Dr. Seuss on people, but that really does make it sense and it makes it breaks it down to let people know like it's your own practice. It is what you want it to be, right? So that's dope. So there's also a stigma that you know people are we're working to get over it, but self-care when it comes to especially the business world. Um, and among high achievers, because like you said, there's always some striving going on. So how do you approach breaking down the barriers and encouraging leaders to prioritize their well-being? So when I work with leaders, I first acknowledge that like we are usually working in industries. We're in a society where the message is go, go, go right? Do more, do more. Okay, you did that, what's next, right? And it's easy to fall into that frame of mind and to think about taking a pause, to think about caring for yourself, to think about resting feels like laziness. And it feels like you're on this track and everybody else is going to run past you, right? Because it's like, you're not doing enough. What do you mean you're taking off? What do you mean you're doing this? And so when I work with leaders, I first help them acknowledge this and then also let them know that just because this is what is around you doesn't mean that this is healthy and normal. And we point out all the examples why I'm even just thinking about a lot of the attorneys that I work with, right? Where a lot of times they're working in these firms where, you know, there's the pressure to bill and there's, you know, almost like the more you work, the more you are, life is devoted to the work, the more reward there is. And when you're taking time off and when you're taking time for family, when you're taking time for yourself, when you're wanting to sleep, the message is, well, why aren't you available? Why aren't you here? Right. And so I think there's a lot of guilt that comes with that in similar industries, whether you're in medicine, whether you're, you know, the CEO of your own business. Right. Like it doesn't matter. That's the message. And so first is getting comfortable with doing something different. That makes perfect sense because I've been watching Suits. I don't know if you watch it, but it's on Netflix. And, you know, one of the things that the main character Harvey said was everyone knows I don't take vacations. Right. He's a lawyer. And they they clearly show that they get there early and leave very late. Right. So and he finally hit a, a moment where he started having panic attacks, you know, because he wasn't taking care of himself. So I see that. Right. We see it all the time. And people are just like, oh, it ain't going to happen to me. I'm good. Right. So how do you get over that mindset of someone saying, man, I'm okay. You know, they're rebuffing every idea you throw at them. What are some techniques you have? Because some of us, we may have somebody in our lives that we're like, man, I can see it, but you're not listening to me. Yes. So I love that question because the first thing I would ask somebody that said that to me, that's working with me as their therapist or their coach, I was like, well, if it's not a problem for you, then why are you here? I think really pointing out the ways the rest of their life isn't working for them whether it's their relationships, whether, you know, it's other goals that they have that they're not able to accomplish, their health. A lot of times, you know, people come to me or they get to a point where their health is on the line and a doctor or somebody else has said, you need to do something about this, right? Like this is not sustainable. Or like I've worked with women who aren't able to get pregnant and and they're doing these different treatments and they're doing different things, which is fine. But also it's like, but you're not eating and you're not sleeping, you know, and you're not resting and you're not like your body doesn't have the bare minimum to do what you're asking it to do. So looking at people, especially black and brown people, right? Like we're at a higher risk for 
a lot of chronic illnesses more so than our white counterparts. And this stress and this striving and this overcoming is a part of that. And so it's like finding this balance of like, let me help you find this balance of you can take care of yourself and you can be successful. Yeah, I always kind of tie them all together, right? As a coach, when I see when I'm talking to a leader or a coach and an executive, I kind of tie it together. Like, you know, you want, say, your business to take off, but then you don't realize that your life ties into that. You're not going to be as effective, right? You can't perform at your peak if you are empty, if you're suffering. So, yeah, everything you're saying, I'm just thinking about like who I've worked with in the past and it's all manifested in that way. So, that's a key point. So, Let's say like someone's listening and they're like, yeah, this all sounds great, but I have no idea how to start. Every time I sit down and try to close my eyes for a bit, my brain is racing. I'm thinking about what I got to do. I'm thinking about my pack schedule. How do they just be like, ah, in the middle of all of that stuff? How do you train yourself to do that and release? So there's a couple of different things. So one way to practice is to find like I said before, like some type of resource. So whether it's an app, whether it's a YouTube video where you're kind of being guided through a meditation and understanding that part of the practice is that noticing that your mind wants to think about yesterday, wants to think about what you have to do, wants to think about, you know, what's coming next and bringing it back. That's part of the practice, the noticing and coming back. We talk about this idea of the beginner's mind in mindfulness meditation, right? So it's this idea that like, I can always start again. Everything is new. Like it doesn't have to be perfect, right? Another way to practice is to notice what's coming up, right? So again, it's not about emptying your mind. It's more about, can you be aware of what you're thinking about in this moment? Can you be aware of the emotion that is coming up with those thoughts, right? So if you're thinking about a task or something that you have to do for work, okay, notice that. Notice that your mind wants to go there. And then can you notice what's happening in your body, right? Can you notice, oh, there's anxiety there. Oh, there's fear there. Oh, there's like a real like desire to push back there and not judge it, right? But just let it be. And that's also a part of the practice. That's also an attitude that we are cultivating with the practice. This idea of not judging, letting things be as they are. So sitting and being aware is the practice, whether you're focusing on your breath, whether you're listening to somebody else lead you, whether you're just taking a moment to pause. And again, just be in this moment, that's practicing. Okay. That makes perfect sense. And I think, yeah, especially when you're used to being busy, you're used to kind of juggling a bunch of different things. That focus then becomes a a huge challenge because you said bringing it back. A lot of us, we think of something, we're like, Oh, shoot. You know what? And then you just get drawn and carried away by that thing. So I think that that is key for the designers listening to hear. First of all, let me ask this question. What are some signs of burnout that we should be checking for? So I think burnout looks different for different people. And I think this is where the mindfulness practice can come in because you start to become more aware of what your signs of burnout are. Right. So burnout can look like difficulty focusing. It can look like difficulty paying attention to like task at hand. It can look like procrastination, right? Putting things off, not really wanting to engage to do them. It can look like isolating yourself, like uh, really not having the energy or the wherewithal to be around or with other people. It can look like not getting enough sleep, right? Having difficulty sleeping or sleeping too much. It can look like irritability, agitation, like really becoming easily like irritated with other folks or other situations. I use the term a lot, bandwidth, like just not having the bandwidth to deal with 
what you're presented with, whether it's work, whether it's family, whether it's other things in your life. Being tired, again, maybe you're not sleeping well, but there's this sense of fatigue. And sometimes it's a sense of fatigue that isn't cured with a good night's rest. Yeah, I've been there. I I get it. And it's not fun. So say someone has recognized just listening to you and your signs. Say someone has recognized that. How can they, outside of the mindfulness practice, what are some ways to come back up from that or prevent that? Okay. So let's talk about how to deal with it and then how to prevent it, right? So if you're noticing that and you're experiencing that, I would ask yourself, like, what needs to change in your life, right? What are you burned out from? And it can be work, but also like a lot of people who are higher achievers these days, they're also caretakers, right? Whether it's taking care of kids or it's taking care of like a loved one who isn't able to care for themselves. So a lot of different circumstances. So first of all, recognizing what's contributing to the burnout, right? And is there anything that can be done to take some of that off your plate for a bit, to get some type of respite, whether it's taking a vacation from work, maybe it's delegating tasks to somebody else, right? Maybe if you're a caretaker, maybe it's getting some additional help. I always encourage working with a therapist or a coach, right? To really help them, have them help you with developing strategies that are going to work for you, right? Because sometimes, again, it's beyond having a good night's rest one night, you know, Maybe it's gone beyond the point of being able to just give a couple of tasks to somebody else, right? And a lot of times I think with the high achievers I work with, that is hard and anxiety provoking in itself, right? Thinking of somebody else doing this. I got to do even more work or you more reputation or yeah. exactly. You're like, I just do it myself, you know, like there's that in terms of prevention. And again, taking time off doesn't necessarily have to be a big, fabulous vacation somewhere, but, you know, blocking out a day on your schedule where you're like, I'm just going to take care of me. And that might be going to do something like a massage or, you know, something like that, or it might be sitting in your house and watching your favorite show. It might be turning your phone on airplane mode and just saying, okay, I'm just going to take this day for me. Maybe I read a book. Maybe I go sit in the park. Maybe I, you know, whatever, but being very intentional about having this time that's just for you and doing that regularly. Yeah. And I think that hearing the different ways, like that's what I was hoping you got at is the fact that, you know, self-care can be free. Like it doesn't have to be extravagant trips or any of that. It can literally be taking a walk, disconnecting from tech, you know, taking a couple of deep breaths. Like one of my favorite techniques is square breathing, right? Where I do the four seconds out and exhale everything, four second hold and all that other stuff. You know, that's one of my favorite ways to just de-stress in the moment, but then just chill with my dog like you or going for a walk, spending some time in nature. So those things are really important for people to hear. It's like, it doesn't have to take super long, but if you continue to do it and just make it a part of your day, I always tell people to like, make a very important meeting with a very important person, but taking 30 seconds to you to just chill and do it your own way. All right. So thank you for sharing that. Any last moments? We move into our the time where I'm asking every guest the same questions. It's by design segment. You got any last words you want to share with the audience before we get here? All right. Now you're dropping jewels already. So, so we're going to make this the mental health and wellness segment. All right. So we're going to change one of the questions. You'll see. So what has been the hardest part about designing a life and business you don't need a vacation from? Feeling like I have to be available to clients whenever time works for them. I can imagine that is in your role for sure. Yeah. 
a lot of the work I do is one-to-one. So that was initially the hardest thing for me. But when I started to work my schedule in a way that worked for me and my life and my preferences, right? It was a game changer, but it does take a little bit of work to get to that place, I think. Right. Absolutely. Especially as you're building, you know, it's kind of a balance between, okay, this is where I want to be and this is what I need to do to make sure I'm good. So I get it. I'm sure the designers listening understand too. All right. Number two is what is the best lesson you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey? Listen to my intuition. Be open to advice, mentorship, guidance, and direction from people who are helping me, who are further ahead than me, you know, be gracious and grateful, but ultimately filter all of that through my intuition because I don't know everything and I'm open to learning, but I do have a sense of what is right for me and what is right for my business. And so to not discount that, especially if it goes against what somebody else is telling me. Absolutely. Beautifully said. I mean, that is a very therapeutic answer. Because of <laughs> All right. Yeah, I love it. All right. This is the question I'm going to change a little bit for this episode of our show is what are three tools or tips you would recommend for wellness when scaling your business? Scheduling in time for yourself. Number one, non-negotiable. The way you're scheduling meetings, the way you're scheduling tasks, the way you're scheduling that time for yourself. Two, which is maybe a 1A, right? But still, there's time for yourself, but then there's also creative time for you, which I think a lot of us who are designers, who are creatives, and I think that if you are an entrepreneur, you are naturally creative, right? You may not be necessarily an artist or something like that, but building a business is creative work. And so you need that creative time to explore, right? To just have the mental space to just be able to think about to give yourself time to be inspired, give yourself time and space to be inspired, which is different than, again, time for yourself, time for your hobbies, time for your activities, right? So giving yourself some creative space and time and understanding that is important and necessary. And number three would be having a community. I love that. Because it goes well because you said spend time with you, but also make sure you have a community to pour into. Exactly. And a community, I would say like your regular community, family, friends, loved ones, but also a community of colleagues and other entrepreneurs who understand this journey. Yeah. (laughs) It's a different different beast for sure. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Grosser, we definitely appreciate everything that you've given us. You've dropped some great tips on how to take care of ourselves, especially as we design a life and business we don't need a vacation from. So how can everyone connect with you? So you can reach out to me at my website, which is KimberlyBondsGrocer.com. So Kimberly Bonds, like savings bonds, <laughs> grocer, G-R-O-C-H-E-R.com. That would be the best way. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And we appreciate all the work you're doing in the community, just helping us be better and feel better. And then we look forward to keeping you a sin. So until next time, see you soon. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening.